1: Welcome to the NXT 2.0 review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the dadly boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT 2.0, but also Man and Arrow, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views. We have interviews, round table discussions, and a round of the week, complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review NXT. But, oh, our well wishes go to Michael Hanford in his recovery from a mystery ailment. He's fine. He's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but anyway.
2: He's 100% fine.
1: What did you make of this Well, jam-packed episode
2: of NXT. Uh, Not much at all, if I'm being perfectly (laughs) honest. The one wrestling match that I thought had the potential to be really, really good was... Good. Some of the angles were dreadful. (laughs) Some of the promos were abysmal. I'm kind of looking forward to tearing it to pieces, to be perfectly honest. The show was absolutely terrible. I measure the success of this show on whether I can smile perversely at the nonsense and there was a little bit of that this uh-huh. week so I was happy yeah it
1: was it was a weird show I said this when I came in it felt as long as raw purely because so much stuff happened when I was compiling my notes I thought right okay and then obviously then we had Roderick Strong versus Brom Break in the main event there was still like three segments or matches or stuff that went in between those bits that I remember when
2: Grizzled Young Veterans and Jack Time came out for their match I'm thinking oh well I've seen enough at this point Come on, wrap it up. I said it yesterday, like, if this was an hour, it'd be the best show on the week. Ironically.
1: Yes. Um, So, this week's show opened with the uh, heel, the the lead heel from last week, Grayson Waller and his arrival to the building. Uh, They recapped, obviously, him uh, ruining Johnny Gargano's farewell, uh, and he arrived at the building for a crowd in the parking lot to boo him out of the boom out of the parking lot basically uh chanting that he sucks um and before we, we were informed we're going to hear from him later on the show before all that though it's time to start with the no holds barred match between Duke Hudson and Kerry God baby to the moon um big grudge match this of course um Duke Hudson supposedly got his head shaved at War Games, but we haven't seen that chrome dome quite yet. He comes out uh, with that wig and the uh, uh, amateur wrestling headgear that holds it in place. Cameron Grimes came out first and just could tell where this was immediately heading. Went under the ring, got out loads of plunder, trash can, trash can lids, kendo sticks, etc. Um, and that's what factors into the match quite early on. Uh, Cameron Grimes wailing on him with a trash can lid. The brawl just started outside the ring. And. Uh, yeah, lots of weapons stuff early on. Uh, Hudson gets Cameron Grimes up for a razor's edge on the floor, but Grimes counters it to send Hudson into the barricade. Um, as they fight though in the ring, Hudson catches Grimes with a uranage onto a unfolded chair, which looked like it absolutely sucked. If I'm perfectly honest. Um, when we come back from the break, there is a poker table set up in the ring. Uh, they tease a superplex through it, but uh, Grimes manages to counter it, send Hudson uh, off the barric- uh, off the turnbuckle, and then leap over the uh, poker table with a flying crossbody to get a near fall on Duke Hudson. They trade some near falls. Uh, Hudson then blocks a cave in, catches Cameron Grimes, and power bombs him through the poker table, but Grimes just manages to get his shoulder up at the last second. So Hudson, realizing his opportunity, goes under the ring and pulls out some hair clippers. He's going to get some revenge for what happened at war games, but then he sort of becomes weirdly obsessed with them. He sets himself up in position to shave Cameron Grimes's head, but this psychotic stare at the clippers is broken when Grimes kicks him in the face hits him with a poison rana that sets Duke Hudson up, sitting in another steel chair that's in the ring, and he gets hit with a cave-in while sitting on the chair. One, two, three, Cameron Grimes wins, and then just to put a nice cherry on the icing on the cake, Grimes whips the uh, wig off Hudson's head to reveal his baldness for all to see.
2: I'll be nice about this, in a second, but I had some problems with the construction and the more the tone of okay. the match. Like, there's a way to do a pretty violent comedy match. I've seen it done several times over the past however many years. I didn't get enough comedy. It felt like the guy is working spots, some of which look incredibly painful, oh God, yeah. looking like an idiot. So it just felt like dissonant. The experience was dissonant. They could have, like, used the wig way more to set up violent plunder spots. So you've got, like, some black comedy notes. Because that's the only way you could have done it. Like, cruelty, but funny cruelty. Like, if you had a... If Kevin Grimes, for example, had, a, like, went to go for the wig. Both hands immediately go on Duke Hudson's head to try and fix it in place. Then he gets whacked with the sticks. Nice. And then he falls, like, he blunders and falls backwards through a table. Just, like... That's off the top of my head. It was a straight-laced plunder brawl worked with someone with a wig on <laughs> yes. for too much of the match, so it was a bit weird in that respect. Two things I'll put over before we move on. He went full big, pretty much. He didn't go full like Haaland in no. terms of like light bouncing off that dome, um, but he near enough big did to the fair point play, where, yeah. yeah, fair play, like he's a handsome guy He's not going to look as handsome as he could for the next however many months of his future. He committed to the bit. He can't not put that over. The finish was great. The cave
1: always good.
2: The timing's great on the cave-in. Like, I don't think the chair being under him made it any more painful, no. but the timing to do the uh, poison rana for him to fall into the chair, into the cave-in, like, that is what you want out of a plunder brawl. You want the use of weaponry to look totally seamless. Mm. The less really busy, obvious assembly, the better, and they worked that spot to perfection, and Duke Hudson, like, tall guy who can take a bump like that, all the credit in the world to him, I just wish they'd had more fun with what couldn't be... A really serious match they might as well have had yeah. played with it a little bit more.
1: Maybe like I don't know. I don't know what weapon you'd shove in there, maybe a kendo stick, but like forcing that underneath the uh headgear so he's like got it stuck on his head. Yeah. I, I don't really know. Could have
2: it, it should have been a comedy match given the fact that it yeah. looked like a punchline. And the poker table was just weird. Like they played poker to begin all of this. It's like, I know that, but it just was destroyed. under this
1: the The ring.
2: Uh, When you ask that question, Will you then ask, why aren't normal tables under the ring? And then you have these, like, really distracting things that you don't want to think about when you're watching some violence. Yeah. Um, Mixed emotions about
1: this, because I completely agree with you that they should have had more fun with it. I think maybe the reason why I'm giving this more of a pass, A, ghoulish uh, intrigue with people getting put through poker tables and that urinogi through a chair. Yeah, looked wicked. And... Just pure relief that Cameron Grimes didn't lose because I was like, Oh, when he got put through the poker table, I was like, Well, looks like we're going to continue this bloody feud, or they're going to have to go 50 yeah. 50. Again, mixed emotions though, because he wins this. And I and I have, as you all know, this is a football fan, it's the hope that kills you. Yep. I see that, I see that finish and think, Oh, God, I'd love for him to be in a title match,
2: but. He exists to, if not Duke Hudson, like if they continue to have Cameron Grimes win little mini programs like this, he could be Brombreakers one of his opponents when he has his run, that sort of thing. I
1: don't want him to be Brombreakers first because then he definitely ain't winning the title. I want at least a smidgen of a chance that he could shock Brombreaker, even if it's just... Hot potato in the title. Anyway, lots to get through on this show, so we'll move on. Uh, We're backstage with Cora Jade. Uh, She's been asked about the unfinished business with Dakota Kai. They've got a match later on. Um, She says, look, there is obviously problems that I've got with Dakota Kai, but I'm very excited because I've been medically cleared after all the arm and shoulder stuff following war games. In comes Dakota Kai. And my heart breaks for her because she's so much better than all this. Yeah, but she's given the crazy gimmick, and she says, "Oh, you see, this is what Raquel Gonzalez does. She latches on to someone, makes them do all the dirty work, and then she gets the glory." And Jade says, "Thanks, Mum," and then I don't need the advice, and she storms off to get ready uh, to, for a match and can, to to continue her win streak, as she says. Uh, and Kai freaks out.
2: Well, I really want to talk about this because it's insane. <laughs> right. It's the implication here that at being called ma'am yeah. by Cora Jade, in that moment, did Dakota Kai literally confuse herself for Cora Jade's mom because she's that joker, baby, and she's a bit unhinged? I think so. So she now thinks, I, I was left speechless by this. My jaw dropped, it's not even her mum. <laughs> Somebody else's mom. I don't even... just like... Did I give birth to... Her? Did I give birth <laughs> to Coral Jade? And, Jane? and I, I was like... 11. Or however many years... I, what was
1: this? I just... I hate WWE giving... Well, I hate... Actually, not even WWE. I hate any wrestling show that gives women crazy gimmicks. Because they all suck. Yes. So, just... I, I, not in real life, in kayfabe. Give Dakota Kai a head injury so she can forget all this bollocks. Yes. Move on. Um, one thing I can't move on from because it's burnt into my brain was the pre take segment with Josh Broggs and Brogan Johnson. What was this? Uh. So the, last week they got those tickets because they they won a match or something and then Caden Carter and Casey ganzaro who just love to buy, came through and we got two spare tickets. Oh, we'll take them. And uh, the women are pulled up in a truck, and their truck's nicer than Brog's and John's truck. And then they go
2: to a festival. country music festival.
1: And the the boys dance, and the girls line dance, and the boys are uh, infatuated slash impressed slash stunned by the girls.
2: And then it just ends. The ending of this was particularly strange, perhaps even stranger than the ending to the Dakota Kai Kora Jade segment. Because the sort of Catanzaro and uh, Ken Ken Carter Carter were dancing, right? Yes. They disappeared out of the shot. Kind of zooms in on the the lads, and they're like, "Uh," It's the implication that they just started getting down and dirty. And Brogs and Johnson were like, oh can't believe this is bloody happening in front of me. I, I, in, fr-
1: in front of me. I couldn't believe that. What I got from it was them being like, oh, my God, are these girls hot? Yes, they're hot. They were hot before they f- in line dance, and It's Kane, Gar Case, and Casey Canzaro.
2: The fact that you couldn't see them, were they about to, you know, it's very sexy, very sex-infested, this show. Festivals
1: love a bit of sex as well. Sex at a festival, very popular. Not my kind of thing needs cleanliness for me. You know, fitted sheets. Just
2: do it on the first day. Good point. If you do it on the first day it of glamp,
1: festival,
2: Go glamping. Do it on the first day. Just, no one's on the, you know, on, the, on the Sunday. But you know, the first day.
1: Yeah. few dark fruits down your neck. Anything can happen.
2: And then sometimes it does. So maybe they were... Uh,
1: I just... Like, they
2: damn so good. Was that, was that the application? I've... Absolutely
1: no idea. This is the
2: worst show of all time.
1: Anyway, uh, down comes Grayson Bloody Waller to explain himself uh, for what happened with him and Gargano. Booze, asshole, chance, all the you know usual stuff you'd expect. Gets on the mic. He's 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 really enjoying this. Obviously, Uh, he says a wise man once said, "You can never fail if you bet on yourself." Oh, that's right. I'm not doing the accent for this because this is serious. He says. He thought it was a beautiful speech by Johnny Gargano, and he nearly had a t- tear in his eye, but Johnny overstayed his welcome, and he wanted to thank the fans. as If you people have never done anything, um, he says last week he personally by himself did what he said he was going to do. He had all the views. He was trending everywhere. Um, <laughs> that's what happens when you bet on yourself. And they get He gets them to play the footage again. The crowd boos, and he says, well, didn't you bloody like it? ha, ha, ha. Uh, He says, let's be real, though. Last week, he cemented himself as the NXT superstar by ending the career of an NXT legend. Um, What did all these fans do? They complained online about someone that's more successful than them. I wonder who wrote that line. Um, He uh, goes on the screen to show loads of tweets from people being like, bloody gross, and Waller. One of which is Wade Barrett calling him a piece of shh, but also saying he quite likes him because he's the heel commentator. But um, apparently, uh, Grayson Waller didn't care about that second off because he says, uh, Wade, it's not 2010 and I don't care about what you think of me. For a split second, for just a minuscule moment, I thought, oh my God, he's going to take the headset off and batter this twat. (laughs) He didn't. Uh, Instead, um, Grayson Waller continued by berating Vic Joseph, saying, look at what I did to your best friend right in front of you and you didn't do a single thing. That shows what kind of man you are. Welcome to... uh, WWE commentary, Vic Joseph. That's the that's the real. Yep. Now you've now you've completed the uh, the, the to do list or the the bucket list of things that they have to do to you if you're a commentator. He says he doesn't need friends, family, or any of the fans. The only thing he needs to get to top of this industry is Grayson Waller.
2: We might gloss over certain segments later on. I don't know what your plans are for this review, but for those who haven't watched the show, and you probably haven't watched a show, you you listen to this kind of podcast, so you have to prevent yourself from watching the show. So, between the entrance into the uh, whatever the NXT 2.0 arena, I think it's called, mm-hmm. this promo, and there were various segments later on where Waller was giving it Billy Big Bollocks backstage, and everyone, irrespective of alignment, yeah. was like, No, you're a prick. You shouldn't have done that to Gargano. The idea here is to present Grayson Waller as the biggest heel on the brand who's just committed the most unthinkable transgression, just lower than dirt, no respect. A vulture basically that's his character he's the most hated man in nxt that's the route they're going with them taking this kind of turn with his character just kind of ruthlessly undermines the entire operation because he got his booze and all the rest of it but you can't possibly be that hated and when you try so hard to make him that loathed to figure it just underscores how nobody's that loved or liked or beloved in front of this minuscule, very performative crowd when they can't be arsed, and they're just flat, and nothing resonates as an emotional reaction, and it just, it's brought into focus how fake and OTT all of this was. It
1: was very OTT throughout this show with him, but you can see what they're doing. They're presumably setting him up. They're
2: going all the way with someone, for Christ's sake. That's something.
1: I feel like he, you know, I pitched this yesterday, but I feel like it's going to go the way that we probably anticipated beforehand, i.e., one assumes... Ron Breaker wins the title at New Year's Eve, and maybe Grayson Wall is next in line. And they're just trying yeah. to keep him, like, try, try, trying to keep that, that heat, as we often hear about for him going in the meantime.
2: Because we talked about this yesterday. NXT 2.0 is fascinating that it's rubbish, but at the same time, it's not altogether inelegant with how they plot the threads, the way they mm. gathered everything together to arrive at black and gold versus 2.0 at war games is quite good. Going down the line here, <laughs> you can realistically see a scenario where... Bron Breaker beats Tommaso Champa and they earn each other's respect in the end. Yeah. They shake hands. Waller tries to attack Breaker. You could have Ciampa and Breaker versus Waller and somebody in a tag to set up Waller versus Breaker. Like, they genuinely think about this stuff. It's just the curve. This is the kind of thing any pro wrestling company should do. Plus,
1: outside of the big table spot from War games, name me a move that Grayson Waller does.
2: Oh, I don't. I can't really Powerbomb
1: He powerbombed Gargano through the table, but that could just be to put him through a table. It's probably the safest way of doing I it. I think
2: Wallace is a half decent spot monkey, but the problem with being a spot monkey is that you can barely recall the spots. Exactly.
1: Um, right, backstage with a guy, more of this man on the show, Malcolm Bivens. He's bigging up Roderick Strong ahead of his match with Bron Breaker, of course. He says, Bron isn't the workhorse of NXT or the champion, that is Roderick Strong. Uh, Oh, and by the way, Ivy Niles here to crack some schools, and she's just about to head out for her match. So he walks out with her, and then, to the surprise of all of us, lashing out with Last Legend Returns.
2: I need to bury something first, pal. Oh, sorry. WWE in NXT, just ignore what I just said a minute ago about how it's weirdly, vaguely competent in a level that It really should just be the norm, this kind of booking, but it's WWE, so you never give them credit for it. This brand and the writing on it is so incompetent that they managed to get a cliche wrong, right? Roderick Strong said, we're going to divide and conquer tonight. So when you divide and conquer, right, you take an enemy, a collective enemy, you split them apart strategically, and then you pick them off one by one by one. That's what divide and conquer means. Am I right or am I going crazy? No, that's exactly right. That's what... Edge tried to do to evolution, for example. So you, you divide your collective enemy and you conquer them individually. That's, I was going crazy because that's what divide and conquer means. Yep. Not according to Roderick Strong or more accurately, the writer who scripted Roderick Strong's line <laughs> who seems to believe that divide and conquer means we'll split apart. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll divide and then conquer. No! <laughs> no, that's how it works! Anyway, lashing Out with the Last
1: Legends back. Yes, which means well not next well you can do it next week. I'm not here. I couldn't give a toss. Um <laughs> Zeitgeist hiked back in the game, baby. That means it was bop, that bop. is that four weekly games potentially now? Yes. Oh my days. We're barely having enough time to preview the matches on the review, but still. Um not ah. uh, <laughs> great loss. Um Yeah, didn't I thought it was dead and apparently they just went, well. Can't believe the people want it more. We'll just not air it for seven weeks.
2: Maybe Uncle Dave used me as a source when I was just pulling something out of my ass. Yeah. It hasn't been on. It must have been cancelled. Um, so,
1: her guests this week were Jacket Time. Uh, and this was, and no one called it, Where are uh, where's Wendy for the week? Wendy Chu, or Karen Q, or whatever they're bloody called. We don't know, basically. Uh wandered past. Midway through a fucking talk show, to be like, oh, brilliant! What a selling point. Before that begins, by the way, she walks past, and Last Legend throws her a bit of a look, uh, and uh, she asks. Jacket time! Their secret, um, and they announce it is in fact style strong, of course. And, and, and Ikemin's got one of those snazzy jackets on. And she asks, "What's going on with the grizzled young veterans?" And Jiro says, "Oh, it's a sensitive operation." And Kashida is desperately trying to take this seriously. Um, says they attacked last week. They shouldn't be under, underestimated. Uh, in Japanese with subtitles, they say they're their superior team. They're going to wipe the floor with grizzled young veterans. Um, Lash Legend looks confused. Presumably she doesn't speak Japanese and she couldn't see the subtitles. It's all a bit awkward. So Ikaminjiro just goes, it's Jackie time! Which is a bit like me, where I'm like, I don't know where this point's going. I'll just do a funny voice. Uh, And and, a huge bap. And uh, that was that.
2: When Lash Legend goes, Ikaminjiro, you are my... I want to die. I want to die. I don't know why this is a thing. i trying to
1: avoid even mentioning it.
2: (laughs) I hate it, right? And on the subject of things that I hate... It's so not on the way in which NXT 2.0 presents Asian people. Nope. It is absolutely not on whatsoever. They are comedic idiots, or they are mystical.
1: Or they're friends because they're Asian. Yeah,
2: it's every single cliche under the goddamn sun. And one of the low-key worst parts of this is Ikemen Jiro's line. was it? It's a sensitive operation. Yes. Right. I'm telling you now, it's so bad, Right. When you watch, like, an 80s film that happens to have, like... I'm thinking of E.T. Okay. Okay.
1: I'm thinking of Breakfast at Tiffany's.
2: That's not an 80s film.
1: No, no, but I'm thinking in terms of a bad portrayal of an Asian
2: Oh, right, okay. In, like, the 80s film, when you have, like, the non-human character. Okay. Whether it's E.T. or Short Circuit, right? Or the Terminator. (laughs) Right. The cliche in the 80s film is that this not-human character picks up a figure of speech from one of the human characters and to convey, ah, they are connected. They have formed a bond. The non-human character will repeat the thing they've picked up from the human character. Elliot,
1: I am chuffed to little men (laughs) Phone
2: home. Yeah. Uh... What's the Terminator's thing? Didn't he say. What he gets from the human? Yeah. He gets the thumbs up. The thumbs That's up. The, he says, no that. yeah. It yeah. still counts. And um, Johnny Fire's still alive, or whatever. I don't know if he can talk. I don't know if he's seen Short Circuit. <laughs> no, me That's 280s for me, and I'm a big 80s maniac. <laughs> but you get what I'm you saying. You go to
1: watch that, and then you move it to Tremors, and it just.
2: Ikuminjiro, who can speak English, <laughs> yeah. is now repeating things that English people have said. It's oh, he's beginning to understand. Yeah. It's a sensitive operation. I recall this in my distant inhuman memory. It's absolutely appalling. I dread to think what an Asian... Like, bear in mind, a few months ago, their food was considered as disgusting as an alien oh, fetus yeah. by frigging... What's her name? Was it... Um, Zoe Kate?
1: Stark? Oh, Zoe Starks, yeah.
2: I, un, I, uh, horrendous.
1: I look forward to more lashing out in Last Legend next week. Jesus Christ. Uh, A rapid squash match for Ivy Nile next. She faced Amari Miller, uh, Chucked her about a bit, choked her away in the corner. Miller did get some offense in and caught for quite a few roll-ups. She also hit a drop kick, but when she went for the spin wheel kick, that missed. Nile spine busted her ass uh, and then got her with a neck crank to win. Um, they're hot on Ivy Nile, and you can almost see why.
2: Almost, it wasn't quite Zack Saber Junior. If I'm being perfectly bluntly honest, and there was one roll-up attempt that went through trickle pure slow-motion stuff. But you know, otherwise there was slick elements. There's the bare bones of a pro wrestler in Ivy Nile. So
1: she passes the airport test for me. Every yeah, time she, she looks show. like
2: yeah. a killer.
1: Uh, backstage, um, we have an interview followed by, sort of, in, not an interruption, because it was the interview finish. followed by another one, but... I'll allow it because of what we got. So, Zion Quinn's being been asked about Electra's intentions because of what happened in the match with the Brass Nooks last week. And he says, I'll run it straight. I know the rules of the game. It's game on. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. Um, and then Robert Stone's there. He stops McKenzie from throwing back to the commentators. He said he's tired of the disrespect from, from everyone, basically. He is going to be taken seriously. But then, Michael Sidgwick, just when I thought, oh, okay, that was bloody really pointless, we hear... Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> I like Steve Austin. They think he's Steve Austin, but he isn't Steve got, Austin. He's getting his character. I've got, I like 12-ounce curls, Kyle. i got heart. Get that mic over here. Last, <laughs> last week was just the first body to break. Next week, it continues. I'm going to, and then he, he I'm not going to do this near the mic because it will just pop everyone's headphones and stuff. He smashes his hand into his fist as he's doing this. I'm going to smash him. I'm going to beat him in the ground. Why? Because I can. And if you got a problem, say it to my face.
2: Is that skit we performed gone out yet? I don't know. Well, not spoil it. It's very good.
1: You can say it. It doesn't matter.
2: We performed a skit, me and Wilborn.
1: To shill for the book. To
2: shill for the old books and uh, uh, basically... Wilbon was playing with some action figures. I'm going beat, beat you up. That's what uh, Von Wagner did with his hands. I'm going to smash him. And it's because I can. <laughs> He's so weird. It's really weird. He's the best weird guy of all time, maybe.
1: He passes the airport test. But not for the reasons for uh, Ivy Nile. Ivy Nile, I'm like, what what could she do to someone if you put him in a ring with her? Him, I'm like, what's going on with that guy and where's he going? Where's he flying? I have to I mean get on the same plane as him.
2: Why is he not a flight risk? <laughs> I mean, at the very least, have turned the dude heel. At the very least, that's what he's
1: Yeah, because he's not endearing <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. Oh, not one imagination.
2: more We've got one more exercise, Kyle. <laughs> 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 Couple of 12-ounce curls. Anyway, we've got a Harley. He's not intimidating when he... He's simultaneously the most and least scary person alive. Yeah. Like this weird energy, like, oh, imagine being stuck in the lift with Von Wagner. I oh, smells God's like... That's, that's, that's I'm more concerned about this theoretical scenario playing out of my head, in which I'm stuck in the lift with Von Wagner. Oh,
1: for me! <laughs>
2: oh no! What am I going to talk about with you? I don't want to be in your presence, but at the same time, like, you could probably chin us. But I, I don't, I'd rather take my chances with him than some other wrestlers. <laughs>
1: Anyway, we've got um, Land debut to come. Before that, uh, Joe Gacy sort of hyping him up, uh, telling him not to be afraid of the person of who he is. And before we get the debut, uh, we've got to catch up with MSK in there, Sharman, Riddle. Um, they're going through the fanny pack. Is, is it going to be drugs in there? Um, well, it turns out, no. Uh, Riddle takes out what's in there. There's scissors, some batteries. A single earbud, glasses, and then he reaches into the bag and somehow pulls out a baseball bat. I have no idea what this was. There's also a traffic cone in there, and inexplicably, John Cena spinner US title, which the mark out for because everyone's a mark in this promotion. Um, anyway, he says this is sort of symbolic. Michael well, Crichton, you see, this is they're cluttering up their lives. They need to focus on one thing only, and that's regaining those NXT tag team titles. And when they say, "Well, how on earth do we let go of everything?" He reaches into the fanny pack and uh, pulls fanny pack. pulls out a scooter. And then they they reach in as well. He says, "You have got to dig deep." They reach in as well. They've all got scooters now, and they ride off into the sunset. I this suppose. Is an
2: absolute waste of my goddamn time. What a waste of my goddamn time! I hate more about the stupid prop comedy, about the on the nose symbolism. Your life's cluttered. Is it? Yeah, just just wrestle. For- sake what's it you lost one match and know, uh, it's absolutely hideous stuff they're trying to get them over with the youth as we were already over with the youth well not the guys in the thing uh-huh. they're in the old air uh, venue uh, anyway There's so they're trying to get them over i don't understand why they're doing it we've got some stoner lads and you know it's uh what was big in the 70s stoner comedy when we did have a little brief reprisal before everyone just realized it was lame, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, which isn't that bad. Yeah, I quite like that. You know what I hate about, quote-unquote, stoner comedy, right? <laughs> You're talking about drugs. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. You talk about it out loud, you pricks.
1: Also, like you, I think you've reiterated on many occasions now, a lot of this is legal yes, in many states. Yes, yes.
2: You don't have to be like, <laughs> the subtext of us laughing and, you know, Hey, man, what time did you get up this morning looking a bit tired? I've just been having loads of bongs. Like, I, I hate it, man. I, I
1: genuinely think as well, because the writers, I guarantee, are clueless. They're going to write something at one point. Unless, unless MSK says something about, like, that's not how people talk. They're going to have them saying, like, hey, man, do you want to smoke a weed? Because <laughs> they've got no fucking idea how actually to do this. It's like a, it's a green leaf, isn't it? It's, 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 Get him, get him some hemp gear and have done with it. All right.
2: Oh, uh, don't give them ideas. Yeah.
1: Anyway, should we talk about hard lands' yes, destructive please. debut? Yes, please. Poor Guru Raj was fed to him. Um, they lock up. I mean, I did quite like it in terms of just like hell, mate. All right, lock up. And he just slams him onto the mat and he just starts battering him, slamming him up and down. And then some real. I did like that. I mean, I'd never want to be anywhere near this, but just like. You some of my elbow in your face? Just grinding his forearm across his face. Uh, Gacy's just, you know, his heart eyes are watching this, this monster of his. He grabs Guru by the hair, um, picks him up one-handed. Guru tries to fight off so swing some punches, where he just gets picked up, slammed down, one, two, three. And Harlan just shambles over to where Joe Gacy is, who says, do you feel better now? And shakes his head no. and goes back and just wrecks Raj after the bell, pummeling him uh, until basically, well, referees come down, officials trying to separate them. But it's, it's not over until Gacy effectively says, all right, that's enough. And uh, they, uh, they head off. And later on, they just show them being sort of led out whilst the referees are yelling in their face for what's happened. And he chucks poor Brian bloody Kendrick down the stairs. <laughs> poor bastard. What did you make of his... D- they loved. I was listening out. I don't listen to the commentary very much. I was listening out for the Vince destructive yeah. debut. What did you make of it?
2: Let's first of all shout out Hamphlet He said that they were absolutely 100% nailed on to do something that Brock Lesnar had done. Yeah. He said he didn't know if it was going to be that weird animalistic shriek or whatever. They were going to do something Lesnary. And they, in fact, copied the famous uh, Brock Lesnar angle. So... My esteemed colleague got that one completely right. More than adequate squash, the issue with WWE in particular doing squash matches is that they don't necessarily feel too dangerous. Decent presence on the lad. Like the finisher, he looked a bit wobbly in the leg before he executed Mm -hmm. it. But, you know, the demeanor, it was a good... I think, version of a John Laurinaitis muscle monster from the mid-2000s. Like This is one of the better John Laurinaitis guys. Um, And you can see them booking
1: him and Breaker together.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think the guy's potentially got talent. Um, This is probably too small a snapshot to analyze it, but uh, at least do a sound effect on the bloody splat. Yeah. I don't really get anything of
1: that. Or Brian Kendrick as well. I love Brian Kendrick. London and Kendrick were one of my favourite tag teams back in the day. I played as London once. I got a 2K, 2K game and I loved London and Kendrick so much. I was like, you know what? It's time for Paul London to be world champion. And they, poor bastard. They'd set him up so like, I think early in in one of the matches, where I just was like, oh, I'm just going to play as Paul London in a rumble to get myself used to him or whatever. You know when you do the Irish whip, Paul London was so weak that you do an Irish whip and they do that thing where you just stopped and then the bloke pulled you in and Clothes-lined you. So I was like, well, no world title rain for you then, brother.
2: Oh, Paul London needs to be contacted yesterday to do some kind of open challenge in AEW. Even yeah. on a one-off basis. Yes, yes, yes. Like, I would have uh, Sammy Guevara versus Paul London all day long.
1: Get London and Kendrick back together. Get him tagging. I love them so much. Anyway, lots to talk about today. Um, we have uh, the arrival of L.A. Knight. He drives up in that car of his. Fair play to him. They've established the car as a thing.
2: He's an idiot, though.
1: Well, yeah. Why would he leave it there? So he drives up. He's asked about Grayson Waller. uh, And he says, Grayson Waller, who? Oh, yeah, the guy who did a half-cool move at War Games and then got pissed at him when the hot chick left with me last week, basically. Uh, And he says, have Waller come find me or tell, tell, tell me where Waller is. And he walks into the arena late for work. Honestly, timekeeping on some of these superstars is shocking. Uh, and then we got Dakota Kai versus Cora Jade. She did ride the skateboard briefly. Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. There's n- it's, it's laughable. I mean, I enjoy it every time, but it is preposterous.
2: Oh, yeah, you enjoy it for the wrong reasons. She just, like, three scoots, picks it up, and then just runs. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I can't think of any other gimmick that someone would bring out and just carry... That isn't something you automatically yes. carry. It's like coming out on rollerblades and just going, right, take them off. You know, and that that would make more sense because you can't wrestle in rollerblades. Yeah. She just it's just and she's gonna break her neck. So just get rid of it. Anyway, match itself has Mandy Rose on commentary. Uh who, who quite rightly, by the way, points out why does she bring a skateboard to her inside? If she was a heel, that'd, that'd make even more sense. Yes. Doesn't make any sense. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, it's
2: not even her skateboard. It's not skateboard. <laughs>
1: Allen's skateboard. So they fight into the corner. Um, Cora Jade's bad shoulder. You know, she's medically clear, but still a bl- bl- glaringly obvious weak point. Gets sent into the buckle. Um, Kai's going for an iron bar, uh, but she misses the running boot in the corner. Uh, that allows Cora Jade to, to fight back, but then... Uh, Dakota Kai hits a backbreaker for a two-count, swinging reverse DDT, near fall off the back of that as well. And then she inexplicably decides to go underneath the ring to get her shovel, because that's a thing now. Of course, when she gets in the ring, the referee goes, what the fuck are you doing? You can't use a fucking shovel. It's a wrestling match. Takes it off her. In the midst of all this, Cora Jade rolls her up. One, two, three. And yet again, you pointed this out on uh, on Raw with Bianca Belair. Cora Jade's just like, yeah! You know, normally, roll up, right, better get out of the ring because I'm just pissed off this heel. Not this time. Yeah, I've won a match! Oh, surprise, surprise, she's been jumped from behind by Dakota Kai. Beats her down. Raquel Gonzalez runs out to make the save, and they fight off uh, after that. Then uh, Cora Jade sees a couple of the other members of Toxic Traction, Gigi Dolin and JC Jane, come out turns her attention to them, and then obviously Mandy Rhodes slides in from Coventry, attacks her, and hits a shoulder breaker to re-injure Cora Jade.
2: Oh, all of this was horrible. <laughs> the match itself was barely an improvement on the uh, inexplicable one-minute disaster they had a few weeks back, like... They recovered to do something somewhat acceptable by the finish, but the very first thing Cora Jade does, and I'm not burying Cora Jade, she shouldn't be on television yet. She's got loads of promise, oh, but absolutely. she shouldn't be on television yet. She's
1: on that 20 like odd, isn't she?
2: Yeah, the first thing she does is not a head scissors, it's like an elbow scissors. Like oh, she I remember that, yeah. She completely misses it. Um, Dakota Kai has to do like a rolling bump because otherwise, that's because it was in the script. It's in the script of a predetermined wrestling match and my instant thing is, oh, it's fake, so I can't get brought into it whatsoever. My
1: thought process is immediately, maybe Dakota Kai should win this then.
2: Yeah. If you
1: can't execute that, rather than having Dakota Kai and all these people, as I keep mentioning, yeah. bump all over the place to make these green people shine, maybe have the green people lose, but learn from it and have the people who can wrestle be in the fucking title picture.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. goddamn um, So Dakota Kai is an idiot. And I know she's crazy, but I not I just don't think of her. Oh, she's crazy. That's why she did that. I think she's an idiot. That's but if why she's she did crazy. That.
1: Why didn't she immediately go for the? Why do not she go like I'll beat her down? Then I'll get the. Yeah, that's trouble. rational
2: thought process stuff. So she's an idiot for thinking. Oh
1: bloody use this! I can't do accents. <laughs> you can do Imperium. There's no. I Imperium can't do on this
2: Imperium. Show. I can't do Imperium. Um. So she she's an idiot for thinking she can use the weapon. She gets beat. After looking like an idiot, I really want to watch you grudge match now. Heal. I really want to watch you really attempt to damage someone in a brutal grudge match now. Because you'll really look capable of that having watched this. Stupid, stupid Cora Jade looks like an idiot for over-celebrating when she knows she's in the vicinity of a crazy person who's wielding a weapon. So the two big women's matches, singles on the horizon are... Dakota Kai versus Raquel Gonzalez, Cora Jade versus um, Mandy Rose, Mandy Rose yeah. and there's an idiot in both of them. Great booking, absolutely top tier booking from the stupid Fed.
1: Yeah, and also didn't when Dakota Kai, you know, early stages of going crazy, didn't she? Was it Cora Jade she beat down, and then she was like about to twatter with a skateboard, and then she had a conflict of. Not conflict of interest. That's not a word I'm looking for. But she had, she was conflicted. Yeah, in a
2: conflict, in a t- turmoil. So
1: why, why? So Raquel Gonzalez is going to batter in a street fight because she's going to hesitate, and Rachel Gonzalez is going to take her head off.
2: Don't know why she had to hesitate the first time. There's the booking on the show. I, I hate myself when I say I know the do brown break. It's rubbish. They were brawling in the parking lot later. Um, but you know Vince Russo's got so much to answer for because when you see something that's vaguely connected to something that. Makes a bit of sense to three months. Nowadays, a lot of people, and I still get caught in this trap thing, oh, it's good booking. No, it isn't. It's rubbish. <laughs> it's just not been true
1: so bad. Uh, right, we go backstage. There is Tiffany Stratton. We still haven't seen her face. She walks past Grayson and Waller. and She says, My dad tells me you're bad. I've been practicing that all week. All week, I've been practicing my Tiffany Stratton. I get one line. It's fantastic. Mm. It's
2: absolutely tremendous. Um, oh,
1: actually. Sorry, just to revisit another point as well. Here's Io Shirai to rant in Japanese. And he goes, oh, I don't know what she was going on about, but I think she likes
2: me. It's absolutely horrendous. If you're going to do the bit, right, where everyone hates Grayson Waller, irrespective of alignment, because that <coughs> means if the heels don't like him, that must be, he must be the worst of the lot. And you hate him as a result. I get it. I was about to say... Maybe don't do the heel you haven't even debuted yet, who's still doing the rich bitch asshole <laughs> vignettes, because that just makes her less of a heel. In theory, if anything, matters and it doesn't. I was going to say, why not have one of the established people you're not really looking to push via vignettes like you are with Tiffany Stratton? I can't do that. <laughs> the worst but like they're all like two weeks old, haven't done the yeah. vignettes, so what does it fucking matter?
1: Uh, I like the show came next for me. Andre Chase versus Donnie D'Angelo. I
2: mean, it kind of sucked.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the wrestling aside, Michael yeah. Sidgwick. Um, so D'Angelo dominates early on. Of course, he does uh, after Andre Chase gets in his face, waving his papers and what have you. His head slams into the turnbuckle, belly to belly suplex to send Chase to the outside. Uh, Chase comes back in though. Cheap shots D'Angelo. Andre Chase is fast becoming one of my favorite things. I keep saying this. Cheap shots D'Angelo, then immediately turns to his university students and basically says, oh, I didn't cheat there. Just completely no sells the fact that he's just cheated. Neckbreaker gets a, a two. Uh, sorry, gets a one count on the cover. Um, gets some mounted punches, stomps to D'Angelo. He spells out Chase U with the stomps, and then doesn't just do, you know, C H A S E. He does C H A S E U. What does it spell? <laughs> like, what age of the students he's teaching, regardless? <laughs> um, D'Angelo fights back and uh, does the sort of hockey fight, pull the sweater over the over his head so he can just punch him in that. Should
2: probably stop wearing it if he's a professor.
1: Yeah. Also, I sometimes think about this. Like, I always used to think this when Dean Ambrose was wrestling in jeans. I must be, like, like every, I'd just be crying out. I, I mean, my body's not good enough. But if I was a wrestler, I'd be like Trunks because... You must get sweltering in anything other than regular wrestling yeah. gear. Yeah,
2: the gimmick jeans, but like, even that being the case, you still get the feeling.
1: Ugh. I try, all I think of
2: is. A bit of football in your jeans.
1: Yeah, and then having to like peel them off. Yeah. That's horrible. Anyway, uh, D'Angelo pulls his sweater over his head, punches him a few times. Uh, Northern Lights suplex picks him back up, twisting Fisherman's Buster. One, two, three. He's got the victory we all knew he was going to get.
2: Yeah, this is a bit rubbish. Once again, it's kind of ironic that uh, Tony D'Angelo is a mob guy because he wrestles like IRS. How you doing?
1: <laughs> right. Then it was the post-match where Tony D'Angelo gets on the mic and he says, in the immortal words, oh, sorry, in the words of my immortal paisan, Tony Bennett, Tony D's got the world on a string, if you know what I mean. Nah. He says, ever since I got in NXT, I backed up every." F- I said I was gonna do. <laughs> I just I just took care of that stu, how how's he say? Stunad. Stunad. Andre Chase. Hey, I guess I'm head of the class now. huh? He says, in a war game, the
2: valedictorian.
1: <laughs> I said I was gonna smack that tea and crumpet goof, Pete Dunn right in his mouth. And this, of course, brings out Pete Dunn. He uh, says you talking up with someone without track records? By the way, just a complete. complete oh my God, we're going so, so off on a tangent. Have you seen the clip that was doing the rounds on Twitter over the weekend of the uh, Aston Villa? Aston Villa, for our American listeners, play in the in the Midlands, where Pete Dunn's from, where they've got this accent. The Aston Villa reporting ask ask a Jurgen Klopp a question. And I said, You're right, you, good. I just want to th- I see what you think about what the Villa players were like today. And he just looks, because on a Zoom thing, it's all safe. And he goes, What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? So that's basically, that's basically Pete. Are you talking off with of someone with trek record? I'd love to know how much the Americans can actually understand of him. I mean, it's nice to hear his accent. I love Pete's but uh. still. Um, so he, he gets in the ring, he says, Oh, you know, you're going to be that uh, confident face to face, slides in. Tony backs off, obviously. Tony D'Angelo, hey, 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 hey. whoa, 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 Where you are? Uh, you got uh, quite a mouth on you there, huh? Has anybody ever told you you uh, you only got a face a mother could love? Huh? Uh, you look like you're uh, you're missing a little something. You can say that. <laughs> I'm just understanding that. Says, uh, take a look in the corner right there, huh? He points to the mouthpiece. I bet you were, uh, bet you won that back, huh? And then you you come in this ring, you come to my ring. You want to fight me? I'm actually writing this better than what he yeah. said. Yeah. in the winks saw this. Pete said, I'm not here to do talking. He just wants to have a fight, basically. He says, hey, 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 take it easy, tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> I got business to handle. So next week, maybe we can figure it out. Huh? Until then, I did like this line. I got dealings to do with a guy dealing with things. Wonderful. He goes to leave. Doubles back, obviously. Tries to attack Don, but Dunn catches the punch. Snaps his fingers Um, Vic Joseph ruins it with a commentary called "I'm not even going to repeat." And uh, Tony rolls to the outside, goes to grab the mouthpiece, but Pete Dunn gets there before him, stamps on the case to smash it open, pops the mouthpiece back in, and I don't know if this was Tony or just a really well-miked member of the audience as he put it in his mouth. I just heard someone go, "Yeah." (laughs) Thoughts. I mean, this is going to be an intriguing match, I suppose. Yeah,
2: we know why it's set up. It's to get the green limited guy reps with the incredibly talented guy who's going to lose. It's yes. just the NXT 2.0 story, how are you doing? Um, Tony D'Angelo, Wilborn, I will always love your impression.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> I never want this to be dropped as an element of the podcast, but the, the bloom is off the rose as it pertains to Tony D'Angelo for me, poisonal. Okay,
1: poisonal that's fine
2: but I still love the impression. Yeah, obviously. I mean, it's a bad match. The angle I couldn't give a toss about. Like, like, I showed him. I've just put the mouth guard back. It's getting your mouth guard. Because that's probably... He also
1: definitely has more than one, if he's got any sense.
2: I mean, he's on an NST salary, so we don't know <laughs> for sure. But just getting your mouth guard. I understand, like, it's a matter of personal pride. That's something that something was taken from him. But, like, it's not like, you know... A belt. You know, the belt theft angle. It's not like that. You can't get a replica of a frigging belt. Then you look like a belt mutant. But, like, it's just a mouth guard. I understand the crack. It's meant to symbolize something was taken away from him. But it's a a mouth guard and it was gross. (laughs) It's been like a week and a a half, man.
1: Yeah, although I am looking forward, especially from the glimpse that we got, to Pete Dunne snapping all the limbs of Tony D'Angelo and how Tony sells it. Oh oh oh! I'm fingering here. <laughs> Pardon. Brombreaker's warming up in the locker room, and I just thought, oh, look at you, yes, Jesus, he's stretching out. Grayson Waller walks in, and goes, "Out you go, piss off! You're not welcome here." Everyone else goes, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm with. I mean, as as everyone should be. I'm with Brombreaker." Uh, and Waller says, "Well, well, real superstars have got their own locker room anyway."
2: I love this. Locker room leader veteran, Bron Breaker, <laughs> the head, the judge of wrestlers court, telling a newbie, you can't get changed in here, kid. He's been in for four months. I don't know who Bron Breaker was four months ago. Question. Yes. Why was he needing to go in the locker room? He didn't have a match. Maybe he was on two or five Live. Is that even a thing anymore? I, I, no I don't know. I've got no idea. This is the moment where I thought, right, time for the main event. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is this is the bit I'm talking about. And I was like, cool. And then, obviously, you had the Breaker thing, and then that was obviously followed by Bronbreaker's match.
2: No, Boa versus Idris. Oh, sh- in the- I forgot about that. I thought we were going in a jack of time grizzled. <laughs> no,
1: Boa versus Idris and Ope oh, okay right. first. Rubbish. Um, Boa has got the, the white face paint with the black because he's sort of possessed, I suppose. Uh, although Idris and Ope got a fair bit of offense in here. Early on, obviously, Boa's in control, hoying him all over at place. Knees to the ribs, butterfly suplex. Gets the chin lock, (laughs) as all possessed characters do. Time for a chin lock, I think. Um, Inofa fights out, hits a nice drop kick right to his face, uh, but Boa cuts him off, does the sort of meng death grip, drops into his knees, roundhouse kick, one, two, three.
2: Uh, Rubbish. Um, Here's the thing. You're meant to be scared of Boa. Was I scared of Boa? No. You're meant to think he's a good or competent wrestler in his style. Was he? That no, was boring. Move on.
1: Raquel Gonzalez rants about this needing to end between her and Dakota Kai, and I audibly out loud said, I thought it was over, yes. Raquel. Uh, but she says, I used to look at our friendship as a positive, but now I need to end you. Let's finish how we started this. A street fight. So you start with a street fight. I mean, it was just like, I was just like, yep, completely backwards booking. We'll start with a street fight, do some bollocks in the middle, and then end with a street fight. Nice street fight sandwich.
2: Yeah. Uh, I've uh, Preview, I'll do it on the preview.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um, Okay, so Grayson Waller walks out of the arena. He's forgotten his bag, first of all, but okay, fine. Uh, And he he comments to the camera that he's he's a cocky bastard, basically. And then he gets in LA Knight's car, steals LA Knight's car and his woman, and drives off to reveal a battered LA Knight. Laying by the car, but not before LA Knight rolls over and says, oh, oh, it wasn't even my car. (laughs) No, he didn't say that, but he stole his car and his woman.
2: I didn't see the woman there. That's horrendous.
1: I think there was a woman in the passenger seat.
2: We might be impacted. Regardless,
1: he stole his car. That's for certain.
2: Right. If there's a woman there, that's so bad. Oh, my God. He beat his ass. That's what I like in a boy. Strength. Uh. Bad boy. Bad boy. Strong boy. I'm, I'm wet boy. I'll make myself sick, yeah. Basic terrible uh, depiction of women. But he stole his car. And a baby.
1: Chistlet. Uh right, now it's time for jacket time. Oh. This is the grizzled young veterans. Um Early on, well, early on, back and forth, and then they uh, isolate Kushida, work him over. They get to a hot tag for Ikemin He cleans house. Um, Kushida comes back in, gets a hoverboard lock on Gibson, um, but then that gets reversed into a nice suplex for a two-count. Kushida gets set up for the ticket to ride, fights out of it. The Cree brothers during this, by the way, have come down to watch, and you think, okay, cool, well, we know this is going in attack jacket time or uh, cost them the match. No, um, there was a standoff with the Grizzled Young Veterans instead, and the Creed brothers point over their shoulders. Uh, they turn around into two dives from uh, Kashida and Ika take him back at the ring, or take Drake specifically back into the ring, and hit him with that sort of Swanton reverse DDT for the victory. Grizzled Young Veterans lose again. My heart breaks yet again, but I suppose this means a push for jacket
2: time. A match... The result of which means no one really got over that function to build a match between two heel teams. What a waste of friggin' time. What stupid booking. Yeah, are the Creed Brothers baby faces now? I've got knee idea.
1: They were doing so well with them. It was so easy to do as well. Yeah. And then they buggered it up.
2: I'll everything up. It's WWE. Uh,
1: no, not quite time for the main event. We've got to have a promo from Bivens uh, hyping up Roderick Strong in the main event. When in comes Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Uh, they come in and mock him uh, about him not being the proper A champion, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, They say, good luck out there. Don't miss. Uh, and Bivin says, well, we don't need luck, but you might do. And then it's revealed there's a drawing made by Dexalumis of him chasing Uh, trick Williams and they look nervous and there's going to be a match next week. Cool. And then we get, I did like this, medical updates on about five different people. (laughs) Cora Jade's got a re-injured shoulder. Knight has multiple injuries. Uh, And Brian Kendrick's got a possible cervical fracture. (sighs) Jesus. Main event time, finally. Roderick Strong versus Brun Breaker. And guess what? Roderick Strong's really good at grappling. Yes, you were. I'll talk about the match in a second. You and uh, you and Hamlet, sorry, were disappointed. Let's say with Braun Breaker when he had that title match with Tommaso Ciampa. Did this help or hinder his development?
2: Oh, uh, I don't think it did a great deal of help. To be honest, I thought Roderick Strong was vastly superior to him in this match. There were elements of Braun Breaker being awesome, but at this rate of his progression, you're only ever going to see the elements. There were there were times. I know I'm doing the. And analysis phase, You can do the rundown and then we'll just uh, go and have lunch. (laughs) His vertical leap is astonishing for the Frankensteiner. That was awesome. He's got the fire-up spot down pat. Um, I couldn't decide at one point whether he would really refined his selling or whether Roderick Strong had just gassed him big time. I was the same. Let's talk about
1: what happened in here, though. Like I said, grappling-wise, he's just so good. His show is just... There's this really good wrestler. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this other guy beats him. What? Insane. Anyway, um, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams are watching from the uh, uh, William Regal perch thing. Uh, Breaker, though, muscle strong up, suplex, nip up. Nice stuff, that. Uh, they go to the outside. Strong drops him onto the announcer's table to take us to a break. When we come back, uh, Breaker's fine out of a front face lock, but he gets hit with the. Picture-perfect, Feynman's carry, gut buster. um, But he comes back, power slam, those big running shoulders. um, Strong fights back. Does the thing where he runs along the ropes and hits him with those forearms. Hits him with an angle slam for a two-count. Top rope superplex into a Tiger Bomb uh, for another near fall. But then Strong, uh, sorry, then uh, Breaker's fighting back. Frankenstein is in amongst all this. um, Strong went for a bulldog. Breaker slams him. Gorilla press slam into a power slam. One, two, three. He is victorious here. And then, post-match, in comes Tommaso Champa to attack Bron Breaker. Willow's Bell onto the title belt. And he screams to Bron that, uh, uh, War Games, you won the battle, but this is the war. Welcome back to the deep end. Shark swim here. It's
2: not battle games. (laughs) It's war games, right? That was my understanding of it. Um, Look, I didn't hate the post-match angle because the idea is Brom Breaker is going to be the top baby face of the brand. The second, the third referees can yes. Struck. At the end of which, I expect Champ... Uh, they could do a... I don't know. What, why am I thinking about the future of this? I'm not going to think about it at any point <laughs> after enough. we press stop. Um, We know they're going to have the match. We know Break Breaker's the guy. I'm a little bit... Get to the point at this point... Uh, poor Roderick Strong. He out wrestled Braun Breaker in yes. this match, <laughs> very much so.
1: He's brilliant, but Braun Roderick. Breaker.
2: Like, I just that's not burying Braun Breaker, but just the reality of the situation. just facts,
1: yeah. Hey, Bron do you get worse at wrestling? Yeah. No, you're just next <laughs> yes. to Roderick Strong, as many people would look if they're next to him. Um, but yeah, big things obviously planned for this. Bron Breaker's effectively established properly now as the number one contender, and then he gets taken out by the champion, because that's the direction they're heading in for, for New Year's Evil, well, one would assume. But uh, an eventful episode of NXT, but oh, to say the least. Do let us know your thoughts on it on Twitter, at WhatCultureWWE. Watch well, they you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at...
2: M. Sidgwick. You can
1: follow me at Adam Wilbur. And follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to what Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Later on today, uh, we'll be sitting down to look ahead to AW Dynamite. Winter is... Coming, uh, and if you subscribe, you will get the review of Dynamite tomorrow as soon as it is released. But for now, this has been the NXT 2.0 review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.